I want to welcome you this morning to our 2020 World Missions Conference, Compelled. Thus far, approximately $15,000 a month has been uh, promised or pledged to help us with our outreaches, as Pastor Tom has articulated moments ago. Our goal is $50,000 a month. That's what we're currently sending out there, right at that number. And we thank you for your participation. Silent auction items that are in the lobby, that auction will end at noon today. And if you have interest and if you are the high bidder on one of those items, you can go to the bookstore and make payment. And uh, they, they, they will be welcoming your participation. Tonight, our live auction will be held and a banquet at 6 o'clock. There are a few tickets that are left. I understand you can join us for an unbelievable time of enjoying uh, hearing about what God would have us do. <clears throat> this morning, we had invited career missionaries Larry and Sharon Smith and uh, from the great nation of Bangladesh. For 40 years, they have served there. We have some footage that we'll show you about this great country. It's a country of 165 million souls, the eighth largest country in the world. They were able to leave Bangladesh at our invitation, but they stated that they could not return because of the lack of a visa. So we encouraged them to stay and wait for us for another time. As a result, I just want you to know we value the safety of our missionaries and them being in countries uh, to serve there is of huge importance. While it is the eighth most populated country in the world, it's 90% Islamic and 88.5% Hindu, only one half of 1% Christian in this country. The Smiths have founded several Bible schools where Muslims, former Muslims, are being trained to change the nation. An orphanage called the Home of Hope has been founded that houses and cares for abandoned children. Many children are abandoned in that country. I have visited this country. I have seen the home, and I have looked the children in the eye that live there that were abandoned by their parents. The Smiths leave an amazing legacy They're training people to change the culture from the ground up. They have founded elementary and secondary schools, Bible schools. The number one issue in the country is malnutrition. 57%, according to Wikipedia, of the children of Bangladesh have stunted growth. Can you imagine? Hundreds of AG churches now blanket the country, but there is much more work to be done. And in our services today, I hope that you will hear the sound of people longing to be free. We can make a difference. Thank you for your participation. So I'm pinch hitting this morning for Larry and Sharon Smith. (laughs) This morning, we have gathered to focus on the Lord's plan to make a difference in this world. Now, many are consumed with self-centered thinking that only thinks, the only thing that matters is what I like, what I don't like, what I want, and what I don't like, and all of that. 
And I say to you, the poorest person that we will ever meet is the one who has no vision beyond themselves. Many simply live a life that states, I don't want pressure, obligation, or interruption to the way I want to live. Yet we've been called and commissioned by the Lord of glory to go places by faith and make an impact for his glory. I remind you of Jesus' sending words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. The last thing he told his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't come to earth to impress people or to create a new social order or to give people bread. He came to win people. He came to save people. He came to change people. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We bear that mantle of leadership as Christ followers today. He didn't come to be a seeker like many have done. Socrates came seeking wisdom. Rockefeller came seeking money. Hitler came seeking power and dominion. Jesus came to seek the lost. How many of you are thankful that you know Jesus today in the forgiveness of sin? So this morning, I'd like to challenge you for a few moments on how to make your life count for eternity. My text is found in Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. And said, then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There's two great truths embedded in this beautiful passage of Scripture. First of all, the gratitude that we should continuously display that we have been liberated by Jesus. There is gratitude. Our mouth is filled with laughter. Our hearts is filled with joy. It's like people dreaming. We know who we are. We know what he's done for us. We thank him for his mercy that he has shown to us. Thank God we've heard the gospel. Thank God we know who Jesus is and he has come into our hearts as our Savior. But then there's the, the call. Not just the gratitude, but the call from heaven for everyone to be involved in this great harvest gathering. So let us note together several important, urgent items from this passage this morning. First of all, notice the task that is before us. You want a great life? Get on the same page with what God wants, and you'll have a great life. The task that is before us. 
The assumption we receive unmistakably here in this text is that Christ followers' primary task is to sow seed. Everywhere we go, we should think, I'm going to influence somebody today for Jesus. I'm going to lift somebody today and help them know how valuable they are in God's sight. I'm going to present hope to people and hopefully present the gospel in some fashion. Francis Assisi said, share the gospel and if necessary, use words. In Matthew 28, Jesus literally says, while you're going, be making disciples. In the mid-70s, a divorcee with a young son sat on her bed with a 38 caliber pistol in her hand. She was hopelessly bound with drug addiction and alcoholism, and she was ready to take her life. She thought before she put the gun to her head, I'm going to just turn the TV on one last time. And providentially, the face of Pat Robertson and the 700 Club was on that screen. And Pat said through the word of knowledge, there's a woman in the audience who's contemplating taking your life. Don't do it. Put the gun down and listen to this. And he presented the gospel. And he said, if that's you, pray with me right now. And he led that woman in a simple prayer. And chains fell off her mind and her heart. And she was free. What an amazing story. Let me finish the story. Many of you have met this woman. Until recently, she's been a, a powerful, spirit-filled evangelist of the gospel with her emphasis in the Philippine Islands. Her name is Wanda Casper. She's been in this pulpit numbers of times. She's gone to be with the Lord. And she died late in her 70s. We miss her. But the truth is, God has plans. There's a task that's been given to us. Many churches are just filled with, their passion is help groups. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Recreational, social support groups, continuing education. But according to Jesus, the primary function of the New Testament believer is to go into the world and tell others that Jesus is Lord and win people to him. So a great vision works in two ways. A great vision will become a compass for long-term direction. But it'll also, a great vision will provide short-term encouragement. We need both. This provides use with desire. I remind you, Jesus gave three significant commands while he walked upon the face of the earth. The first one I'd highlight is where Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. The second thing he said to them was, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then the third thing Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Tell people I love them. So as you study the words of Jesus' life and what he did, his primary function 
was winning people. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is our primary task. Loving people, caring for them, lifting them to see the greatness of the King that we've fallen in love with that has done so much for us. Not only do we have a task before us, but we have tears required. Tears. Psalm 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, Jesus, uh, the psalmist said. Many have failed to see the broken, the burdened, the bleeding people of our region. Many look past them with disgust and said, look at the choices they have made. Others see people that are great value to God. Bonnie and I were doing a prayer walk at the, at the uh, state capitol one day, several years ago, and there was a man laying on the bench, and we stopped and spoke to him, and he said these amazing words. I know who you are. And out of his satchel, he produced a newspaper that showed a picture of People's Church welcoming Bonnie and I as their new pastor in 2000. This was now a number of years later. He kept that in his satchel. Called me by name. Not everyone that's laying on a park bench has lost their mind. Mercy, tears over the lost is what we need to invest. Several examples of the word of burden leaders. You remember Moses in Exodus 32. He says to God, unless you let these people come into your kingdom, take my name out of the book. And he's crying, Exodus 32, 32. We read of Jeremiah, the prophet, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9, he said his, his, his tears were a fountain as he wept over the lostness of his fellow man. Jesus wept over Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 23 because he said, how often I would have loved to bring you close and hold you, but you would not have it. And so he wept because he saw the destruction that was coming, which came, as you know. We read of the the example of Paul, the apostle, where he said in Acts 20, I have served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents and other scriptures I could share with you about the tears that he invested. Sometimes we communicate the gospel by feeding people by loving people, lifting them, by making a difference. You see some pictures of people from our church caring for people who were burned out recently in the fires that swept through our state tragically. I want to remind you today, not only is there a task before us and not only are tears required, but would you note with me the treasure that we carry, the treasure that we carry. 
He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed. I want to remind you the precious seed you and I bear is the word of God. In Luke 8, 11, Jesus said the meaning of the parable of the person casting the, the seed was that the seed is the word of God. In our day, many have substituted other things than the word of God and hope to have a blessed and happy life. The word is our treasure. Find yourself seated before the living God every day, reading his word, and God will speak to you himself through his word and lift you and instruct you. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul tells the young evangelist in the last letter he ever wrote, and how from infancy thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The word directs our heart in cultural change to see what is right and what is wrong. May God help us. The word is precious because there's life in it. In November 29th, 1922, the tomb of King Tut was discovered and opened. An amazing thing. King Tut was one of the pharaohs. He was one of the leaders. At 10 years old, he became the leader of Egypt, served in Luxor, Egypt. Over 5,000 things were found in the tomb that was discovered when they opened it up. He died at 19 years of age. It was quite a mystery. One of the things they found in that tomb was grain, seeds. And so the scientists said, well, what would happen if we planted this? And so they planted the seed in the field nearby, and almost instantly the seeds came up, even though they were 3,300 years old. There's power in the seed that you bear today. Can I remind you? In Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. James 1.21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Who in your world needs the treasure you bear today? Who in your world? Probably everyone you meet. You don't have to wonder long. I wonder if this guy here needs something from God's word today. I wonder if this person needs an encouraging word from the Spirit. You don't have to look long. Everyone you meet. I asked a businessman the other day at an auto dealer, I said, "Um, where do you go to church? He said, we don't go. He said, but we were watching the Seattle game the other night, and Seattle was getting killed, and we decided, my wife said, let's pray and see if the Lord won't help Seattle win. And if Seattle wins, 
we're going to church on Sunday. So she, he said, we, they, we prayed together and they won. And now you're sitting here at my desk inviting me to church. He said, I'm coming. He's going to be here at the 10 o'clock service with his little family. Praise God. Now notice, fourthly, the triumph we are assured of. I want to talk about the triumph you can be assured of. Being involved with Jesus in a life that makes a difference. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, notice, shall doubtless come again. Shall doubtless come again. Here's the promise of victory. There's no doubt about it. That's what God says. God's promise with Jesus, by making his words your focus, opens the way for doubtless triumph. If you go to the last book of the Bible, to the last page of the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus said, notice, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to every person according to what they have done. There's a doubtless reward for those who partner with God in this great venture. Daniel 12 and 3, prophetically, this old gentleman Daniel prophesies and says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those that lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Our work together as a family, as a household of faith, assures us of great triumph in the days ahead. It's a triumphant work we're involved in. And I close with a fifth point, the trophies we will bring. The trophies we will bring. He that goes forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again. Doesn't that scripture's not there? With rejoicing, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You go, what in the world is a sheave? It's souls of men and women, boys and girls. Have you ever wondered about your life? What trophies you will bring to Jesus when you stand before him? Or will you come alone? Our mission's gifts make it possible for others to go to places you and I cannot go. Our mission's gifts make it possible for others to hear of the great love that God has for people. Our mission's gifts make it possible for others to have their sins cleansed, to be made new by his grace. Dr. Anthony Campolo tells of a sociological study in which 50 people over the age of 95 were asked one question. If you could live your life over again, 
what would you do differently? It was an open-ended question, and multiple answers were provided by this group of elder citizens. However, three answers constantly re-emerged and dominated the results of the study. The first one was, if I had it to do over again, I would reflect more. I would think more about my life. A second one, if you had it to do over again, I would risk more. And the third one is the one that I'm interested in, the most popular question. I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. It's on the mind of older people. Missionaries had reached a mountain village that had never heard the gospel of God's great love when he sent his own son, Jesus, to die for people. The missionaries gathered people together, and they began to announce the good news to these that were there that had never heard before. The natives asked this question, if this message is so important, and if this good news is so urgent, why did it take so long for you to come to us? What about those who have died in this village that never heard this good news? I say to you this morning, friends, the good news is good only if it gets there in time. We have a chance, an opportunity to say to the harvest that is white, ready to be harvested, Jesus cares about you, and I am coming to participate with you in bringing you to a place where you can hear the good news of Jesus. A church that is concerned about what's on the heart of God will have continuous triumphs throughout its history. A church only caring about itself will soon become a mausoleum. May God help us. Father, I have delivered what you've given me to share this morning. And now I ask you to take your word planted deep within our heart, make us a blessing, give us ears to hear. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So help us, Lord Jesus.